0: Hello welcome to my podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the experience paradox. Is life a game or a drama? I stumbled upon this bit of brilliance in a recent podcast I was listening to. It's an interesting way to frame the world, and what I want to explore further. On the surface, it sounds depressing and lonely, but it is a bit different. I've always wondered about that metaphor, game, is a kind of ambiguous, so so this is an interesting question. But before I talk about this deeper, first, we have to know what is the purpose of life. As for me, my life purpose consists of the central motivating aims of my life, the reasons I get up in the morning. Purpose can guide life decisions, influence behavior, shape goals, offer a sense of direction, and create meaning. For some people, purpose is connected to vocation, meaningful, satisfying work. As for others, their purpose lies in their responsibilities to their family or friends. Others seek meaning through spirituality or religious beliefs. Some people may find their purpose clearly expressed in all these aspects of life. Purpose will be unique for everyone. What you identify as your path may be different from others. And what's more, your purpose can actually shift and change throughout life in response to the evolving priorities and fluctuations of your own experience. Questions that may come up When you reflect upon your life, a purpose are Who am I? Where do I belong? And When do I feel fulfilled? Your life purpose is your contribution. Some people feel hesitant about pursuing their life purpose because they worry that it sounds like a self-serving or selfish quest. However, true purpose um, is about recognizing your own gift and using them to contribute to the world. Whether those gifts are playing beautiful music for others to enjoy, helping friends solve problems or simply bringing more joy into the lives of those around you. Richard Leiter, a nationally ranked coach and purpose expert says that a genuine purpose points to the end of self-absorbed, self-serving relationship to life. When your authentic purpose becomes clear, you will be able to share with it um, with the, the whole world. And questions about life purpose may arise at any time in life, just like me for now. But you may notice that they are especially prevalent during times of transitions or crisis, for example a career or educational change personal loss or long distance move. Our life can be seen as, as a nautilus that adds new chambers to its shell and, and it grows and needs more space. Likewise, as people grow into a different phase of life, their old chambers can feel cramped. They begin to ask um, what they can do to expand their space. Moving to new chambers opens up the, the way of war for new possibilities to emerge, allowing our life to purpose to evolve. But this can also prompt physical, mental, emotional and, and spiritual transitions and even sometimes a chaotic period as we begin to ask new questions. This is the secret to a fully alive life, to reframe our life questions over and over. As we do, at different stages uh, of our lives, um, we find different questions and different possibilities. Imagine having an aim to your life so meaningful and suited to your desires and strength that every experience feels pointed and purposeful. Imagine being so dedicated to that aim that you know instantly when something isn't in line with it and you exit accordingly. The opposite isn't so hard to imagine either. You regularly find yourself exhausted and unamused. Your focus rarely extends beyond um, that of the immediately gratifying. The inevitable and unexpected damages your perspective, with unnecessary amounts of time spent wallowing and wondering. When you don't have an end goal, you fall prey to being jolted by circumstance, your decisions are made for or or by other people. You bounce around from thing to thing just hoping something clicks, essentially existing in a state of, of perpetual frustration or apathy. Okay, now let's talk about the philosophy of end goals. Uh, The internalization of this term will reframe how you see everything and and why you do anything. It's important to stress that the the concept of an end goal isn't strictly for someone with lofty, career-oriented ambitions. It's for the homemaker just as much as it's for the business mogul. It's for the teenager, the taxi, cab driver, the young adult, and the retreat. No matter who or where you are in this life, clearly defined end goals are essential. If breathing is essential, end goals are are what remind us why we do it. There is a few ways to define this idea, but um, I'll go with the most Covenant. An end goal is the overarching, overarching theme for, of your life and, and the ultimate desire result or, um, or set of results. It's necessarily too, too prunched and we'll, um, we'll come back to, to why that's significant momentarily. Um, An end the goal is, is that thing so powerful, so worthy, and so essential that the odds are no match for for you when it comes to achieving it it's that thing that propels you in adversity and grounds you into triumph it's that image you envision when when you fast forward to to the end of your life and it's the reflection you crave when you look back on it what do you want to, have, to be able to reflect on it? Most of us don't think of life that way, in reverse, many refer to it as um, uh, reverse engineering, this idea of thinking of, of where you want to be in 10, 20 or 50 years and working backwards from there, and in other words, if I want to be a world-class pianist, um, a Nobel Prize winning scientist, or, or um, an Olympic athlete one day, what must I do today to get there? Simple concept, right? Okay, now let's get deeper. Lucky for for many of us, an end goal doesn't have to be so grand or so singular. Um, an end goal isn't just simply, I want to be or have X, Y, Z, etc. Uh, an end goal can be an abstract concept that woven throughout your pursuit, such as, uh, Living an impact on the world in the in the most positive way possible, or concrete ones such as uh, the examples list listed earlier. Uh, but a powerful end goal is often both. Uh, remember the definition we talk about: uh, an end goal is the overarching theme of your life and the ultimate ultimate desired result or, or set of result, um, both and an, an end goal uh, that's merely abstract likely won't keep you focused enough to stay driven amidst all circ- circumstances, and an, an end goal that's a purely concrete will keep you focused, but you won't always be inspired. If your end goal is to have a worth. Uh, net worth of uh, let's say 10 million dollars there will be inevitably will be days where the pursuit becomes so challenging and meaningless that you question why you even wanted the 10 million dollars to begin with however uh, if your end goal is to have a net worth of 10 million dollars so that you can uh, you can build schools in in impoverished areas globally or so you can start a plethora of meaningful businesses, or so that no matter where, where you find yourself, you're always free to give abundantly and generously, chances are you'll stay both focused and motivated throughout. It is necessary to, um, to invest in goals that are so persuasive that they ju- justify effort. Uh, Even when our resources are exhausted and when fate is merciless in refusing us a chance at having a comfortable life. When fate is merciless, well, if it hasn't to you already, fate will at some point be merciless. You'll be broke, you'll be alone, you'll be betrayed as a byproduct of living. Misfortune, to some degree, is inevitable. We must identify something so meaningful that, when the world claims, uh, exc- exclaims otherwise, um, we trudge forward even more uh, fervently. Uh, in the obstacles is the way um, a modern Stoic staple, uh, author or by um, Ryan Holiday, if you if you already know him. <laughs> Uh, He depicts the the impeccable fortitude of Abraham Lincoln, uh, specifically chronicling the little-known darker side of his life, impoverished upbringing, battles with depression, loss after loss, on his way to the presidency, etc. Lincoln's personal challenges had been so intense that he came to believe that um, they were destined for him in some way and that the depression especially was uh, a unique experience that it prepared him for greater things. He learned to endure all this, articulate this, and find benefit and and meaning from it. This is the perspective that an end goal grants someone. Uh, Abraham Lincoln had an end goal. Now, I don't Really know what it, what it was word for word, but I I I I'd, I'd imagine it was something along the lines of affect the landscape of the nation by becoming a president of the United States, and and, and that he he did finally. And worthy and goals reframe both our past and our present, uh, giving us the ability to positively anticipate. the the future and act accordingly and now imagine an an abraham lincoln who couldn't do these things if you have a base knowledge of american history and lincoln's accomplishments uh, this isn't a version of of him you want to imagine implication abound another example of someone whose life uh, is a byproduct of an unconquerable and goal-oriented mindset um, is Oprah. Before your eyes roll at the blatant obviousness here, let's take a second and, and remember who Oprah was before she was. Born into rural, rural poverty, Oprah suffered through years of sexual abuse by male relatives, ran away from from home at age 13, and was impregnated at 14, ultimately losing the child in infancy. Uh, An endured constant marginalization from peers well into her professional career. The Oprah who we know now is is a billionaire billionaire media mogul and uh, philanthropist, using her gift of connection and empathy to affect the world. This wasn't an accident, Oprah knew where she wanted to go. and and the odds were no match for her. Fortunately, uh, we all happen to share a key trait with Abraham Lincoln and Oprah. We are humans. As such, we are born with with an incredible force of will, a painstaking ability to persevere in the most overwhelming circumstances. This manifests itself both in, in just simply staying alive, and, and living a life where where you completely thrive and everywhere in between. It doesn't take much to, uh, research to support the, the idea that our bodies were built to survive and, and, and a step further even to to conquer. So, if a survival is already a natural instinct, how much stronger does wants will become when paired with, um, with a worthy goal towards which to, to channel that survival, we become unstoppable. We don't have to live lives to such scale as Lincoln's and Oprah's, but in our own right, in our own way, in our own corner, we do become unstoppable. It goes without saying that end goals aren't achieved by merely just having them. It takes the right actions and, and the right opportunities. But without the end goal initially present, uh, the right or wrong things will be hard to distinguish. So, please hear me rightly. You and your pursuit need not to be, um, not be prolific. Your end goal is, is uh, as valuable and meaningful as you decide it is. Bit simple, complex something that changed the world, or just yourself and those around you. The fact that you've established an end goal is, is what, what gives it significance. It means that you've decided that uh, there is something that will propel you through until the last breath. Raise children who are equipped to be influencers, help to, to, build, to build self-sustaining communities across the nation. Create content that matters. These this, this are simple examples of, of what an end goal could look like. The decisions you make post and end goal um, establishment are, uh, are, are then seen in light of how it impacts this. As it is with a play, so it is with life. What matters is not how long the acting lasts, but how good it is. It is not important at which point you stop stop wherever you will only make sure that you round it off uh, with a good ending okay so let's uh talk about um the experience paradox is 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 life a game or a drama i still remember uh One of the most famous philosophers of the 20th century uh, ironically thought that the discipline of philosophy was mostly useless. Over the years, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein studied logic at Cambridge University, uh, thought in Eastern Europe, built his own secluded house, and served in, in both of the world wars. And yet, he found that the work of philosophy was, was the only work that brought him true joy. In philosophical investigations, he, he tore down his own old theory of language that, that he had built from the ground up a few decades earlier uh, to make the case that the way we use language mean, means it, it doesn't perfectly represent objects in, in the real world. Uh, rather. Uh, language finds meaning in use. When my friends and I sit around a campfire looking away at the stars pondering the mysteries of the universe, uh, we're, not, we're not really talking about truth, even if we, say, bring up physics. No, we are merely playing a language game with each other that helps us better relate to one another. This is, of course, simplified. But that's the general idea. Wittgenstein asked, what is your aim in philosophy? To show the fly the way out of the fly bottle. To show the fly the way out of the fly bottle means that um, language is an assistant in life, a meaning-making device, not the prime judge of what is good or what is true, in and of itself. As you can imagine, this this has tremendous implications. We can talk about facts and op- opinions all day, but if the language we use to discuss these things itself is suspect, if it loses part of its its legibility in translation, then pretty much everything that we say about the world must be treated with caution. Cherished ideas of truth and, and what constitutes reality and what has meaning. All of these have to be first explored in in the context of how we use these ideas when we talk about them with our people. And Wittgenstein argued that um, when we take a step back and see these language games for what they are, we would be able to move on with our life move on without getting stuck in philosophical puzzles or the big questions of life and death and and simply simply live our day-to-day life in, in a meaningful way but if the capital T truth can't be the foundation of life if the use of language entails this kind of uncertainty what does it actually mean to live in a meaningful way as, as a matter of practice? One of the wonderful things about science is that um, fundamentally it respects the, the inherent uncertainty of the world. True science never makes grand claims about the answer. Uh, it's a process of creating better and better experiments to keep reaching for, the, for a truth that we can never quite grasp. In many ways, in fact, um, the process of science mirrors evolution, evolution too, respect the earth's of the world and the environment for which it fine-tunes its spaces and it does this by using those spaces as experiments to see which ones will better fit in a particular environment. It is In the practice of science. Experiments create results that confirm or deny an idea. Old ideas die as time disproves them. Evolution creates species that also confirm or deny a fit to the environment. If a species is a good fit, it survives. If it's not, it dies out competing for limited resources. From this vantage point, both the life of ideas and the life of species in, in a, is, is, is a game, with winners and losers, time being the great destroyer. We can scale this up to the level of history, where this pattern plays out in wars, fought and in, in, in intellectual revolutions brought forth, but we can't see the same pattern at the smaller scale of our day-to-day lives where old ideas give way to new ideas about how to collectively live together, where for me to, to get a promotion at work, chances are I will have to outcompete you. Right? In a world devoid of absolute truth, games are about a particular kind of progress. They're about winning. Even the language games we play, as Wittgenstein would say, are are often about winning. Most people don't care about truth or what is right as a matter of principle, even if they claim they do. Subconsciously, they want to—the the reward that comes with being more right than the person they are talking to. They want to be better. They care about winning. Which is why most debates are futile. If we ignore the messiness of philosophy and just live our lives as, as they present themselves to us as Wittgenstein argued, then this hyper-rational, scientific and evolutionary lens is, is the first and most obvious vision we have to find our place in. Um, what is meaningful in, in, in this sense is how well we play the game, how, we, how well we survive and how much we conquer. But here's the thing about games they always end there's no such thing as beating the game your idea might die before mine in the minds of scientists but um, if you all do our job well and then mine will eventually die too you might make more money than me or live a little longer maybe even win an, an argument or two as we face off but like me you too will one day one day die we all die and and as long as uh, we view life as a game we lose by default right the details of victories here and their their matter far less than this simple truth so what can philosophy and games teach us about life in any game your goal should be clear Otherwise, the game is meaningless. We play because we are looking for goals to achieve, we are looking for challenges, etc. Um, even in a game of contemplation, in, in a certain way, there is also an objective, uh, which in this case is to explore, contemplate, catalog, etc. I think, I think just that just like in games, if in, in life you need to have some clear, clear goals. Otherwise, it also can be meaningless. In life, as in, and as in games, uh, when we don't have clear goals, we are, we are adrift, not knowing what to do or where to go, in, in, just in a state of inertia. I take this opportunity to quote a famous phrase by uh, philosopher Seneca who says, um, If you do not know to which port you are sailing, no wind is favourable so within the games we we accept all the challenges that we are offered and imposed without blinking or complaining and after all we are there for this to be challenged and to show our full potential in the game we we don't stand still we are we are always moving seeking goals and challenges at all times otherwise we would not be playing right this challenges are becoming increasingly difficult and increasingly stimulating us to, to grow and evolve. The greater the challenge, the more motivated we we feel in transposing um, that obstacles or that face. But in real life do players also behave this way? I see that. Uh, many of us spend a lot of time complaining about the challenges and difficulties there are, imposed on, on us by everyday life, and, and contrary uh, to the attitude we take in games within the virtual world, uh, we don't accept these open-hearted challenges in search of an evolution and solution, uh, but what if we adopted the same mindset that we have in games for the problems of our life? Another important issue is the stance we take in relation to to the challenges that that are imposed on us. Within the games, we face our problems and challenge as fun as something positive. We go against them in search of an evolution and solution. But unfortunately, in real life, we don't always adopt the same posture. Uh, both of you. Um, uh, both you and, and I tend to complain about uh, our problems, we try to avoid them, lack the energy and, and grudge to try to solve them. We don't see them as fun like we do in games. Life like games can be, can be seen as a series of stages and challenges that, uh, with the, the passage of time, become increasingly difficult and complex. We can observe uh, pattern in life and also in games. The character, in, in, in this case you or me, um, also loses his, his energy, uh, physical abilities, reflexes, and with a weaker armor and low energy, we know that the game become even more hard. In life, we, we tend to see difficulties as problems uh, rather than possibilities for growth and evolution it is it's no wonder that many say it's all a matter of point of view or translating it into a modern modern mindset i would like to leave a following provocation to all of you have you tried to adopt the same mindset you have when playing video game in your practical and real life ever wondered if the Super Mario game had only one stage, you must be thinking in your head uh, that this does not make any sense, nobody would play, because it would not have any kind of fun and, and it would not be anything challenging. Successful games are challenging and fun at the same time. In games, we always have a long way to go, and during this journey, some of the difficulties also have their rewards have you noticed that the same thing happens in our lives there is also that oriental proverb proverb um, no pain no gain we tend to value our our achievements much more when they are results of our effort and dedication we do we we uh, why why do we not adopt this attitude also in relation to the problems of everyday life? If it were simple, easy, quick, no challenge, it would not be any fun, right? Have you ever stopped to think that that life itself is one of the things that, that most closely resembles a game? We gain, we lose, we learn, we change, we evolve. We are born, we die, we continue. In our lives, just like in games, when we conquer something after much work and dedication, the conquest ends up having a much tastier. Sports competitions such as World Cup and the Olympics are also a clear example of this. At the beginning of the games, um, the tasks and challenges are more much simpler over time the difficulties and challenges are increasing continuously but at the same time our characters is also evolving gaining new skills getting stronger mastering new tools to overcome these growing challenges have you ever reproached the same thing in our life in games we also carry various equipment that that can help us along the way. Items, spells, weapons, tools, etc. And in the same way in life we have, what we have is our character, our ethics, our value to deal with the adversities that come our way to make the decisions we think are right and to move on. All these skills we develop are a way and not an end in in themselves. Both in life and in games we are forced to make decisions all the time and we can't escape it. It's up to the player who to know how to make the best decisions at the right, at the right time and to develop the potential of, of your character during your journey. In the same way, in, in our life we know that the proofs are constant. Um, at a certain point, there is always a more complex, more challenging thing to accomplish where you will have to apply everything you know, read and learn to try to solve that problem and achieve your goal. Many of these tests are remarkable and take you to a new level in your personal or professional life. Both in games and, and in life, um, we have to face the bosses and, and they help us to grow and evolve here are the rules of life if we apply this game philosophy um, the game designer creates the rules and physics of the game all rules and laws needs to be uh, need to be a uh, very clear and structured the game has its characteristic for example um, the character cannot cross walls uh, jump no more than uh, certain matters and and get a certain speed etc, that's it, we have the limitation and, and we must learn to deal with them so that we can play. All the tools in the game have a well defined purpose, neither more nor less than you need. If the if the player can't overcome the challenges in a in stage, it's a sign that he has not mastered them nor does he know how, how to use his tools in, in the best way. From the moment he managed to master his tools and abilities, um, he will be able to overcome the challenges and, and move on to the next stage. The, the player seeks to understand um, the game and its rules, tests limits um, and doesn't question the rules imposed by the game. Do we in life have the same posture uh, with the laws that are imposed on us um, that we don't have control? as laws of the universe, for example, just as in the games. Uh, in life we have laws that, that rules our relations with people, with things, and, and with the world. We must know how to play or, or deal with, with these laws so that we can relate to others and to the world, respecting the space of each one and living harmoniously in society. Okay, now, do you know Avatar? Uh, An avatar is a a representation of the player within a virtual universe. Have you ever wondered about the uh, psychological existential issues involved in that? I think uh, most people never stop to think about it. How crazy is it that you could take Take another role with com- completely different characteristics from you in, in, in the virtual world. Games like The Sims, um, Second Life, uh, GTA and a host of other shows the, the impact uh, it has on people. Nowadays with the creation of the VR glasses this, this power of immersion has become even greater. It's interesting uh to observe um that one of the meanings of the sanskrit word avatar is uh, the the incarnation of the real in in the virtual that's it the incarnation of our universal and eternal values such as justice goodness brotherhood etc in a virtual body uh if it were me or you your personality and your characteristics there are temporarily incarnated in a physical body. How it, how is it possible for such an old world um, to have relations with our postmodern digital world? Well, in in various schools of thought and ancient religions such as uh, Buddhism, matter is illusory and fleeting, ephemeral. Uh, In a thousand years, uh, this desk that supports my computer as I write uh, will no longer be a desk. My computer will stop being a computer and I will also stop being myself because I will be dead. This means that at this very moment, the desk, uh, the computer and I are virtual. We are temporary projections of of something real in a virtual world. In this view, the Eternal would be the real, that which is beyond all these temporary projections in the virtual, which is beyond what we can see as a matter, beyond the world of forms. Real would be our spirit, and the virtual would be our personality another very interesting parallel of thinking between the avatars and our life is that along the way we assume various roles at different levels and different stages at, at times you are the son in others the husband the designer the father the co-worker those are our personas but is there a threat that Connects all these people. I think, yes, that would be exactly the real, the eternal, that, that which is beyond matter. Each situation and stage of our lives demands different abilities, different behaviors, different thoughts, and in the same way, we we have to learn to use our acquired skills to overcome those real obstacles that are put in our lot. Li- our way in life. But sometimes I was thinking um, that this life is not a game as we thought. Uh, life is not a sort of virtual reality at at some point, um, one which you can disengage from at will. More importantly, there is no reset button, isn't it? Once action and decisions have real consequences, and sometimes those consequences are irrecoverable and permanent. Also, games are subject to design and programming by humans with, with limited knowledge and wisdom. As a result, every decision and action uh, undertaken in, in, in a game has a finite set of possibilities that's somehow that's not the way the real world works in the real world it's often next impossible to predict with any certainty what the consequences of your decisions will be um, both in the short and uh, in the long run any model which attempts to approximate the potential consequences of of any uh, particular uh, decision or strategy is invariably flawed by virtue of limited collective experience and knowledge in, in a particular field of study. In a game, if you take a particular decision, the game designers have predetermined what the possible outcomes may be. And in, in accordance with their objectives and views of what is right or wrong, good or bad, etc. Of course, there's there is something to be said for uh, for the fact that the designers have constructed the game world or environment itself. Um, given everything stated, um, I'm strong some, sometimes I, I believe in, in, the, in the notion that one shouldn't take life too seriously. Uh, to me there is no point in being unnecessarily anxious and miserable over the possibility of any sort of negative um, and an undesirable outcome. No matter how many precautions you may take, um, the occurrence of negative and harmful events beyond your control is inevitable. Uh, The challenge is to remain steadfastly stoic through bad periods in life, so as to mitigate um, the damage caused by human error in contending with hard times. Before um, our current age of science and and reason, uh, before the idea that atheism could itself be a banner under uh, which groups of people could come together to compete against the belief in God, life was broadly a drama. Given how many diverse ways of thinking we have today, we tend to forget that the past was quite different from what we know today. Not just in the material sense that we have more technology and that the world outside looks different, but in the sense that our ideas and our language games were so different from today that we literally perceived as as a different world. Before the Age of Enlightenment came along and began to encroach on on the authority of God and His religion in the West, before we imagined life as a game of evolution, before science itself became a kind of authority, reality to the average person living in the world, since, say, um, in the, the 14th or 15th century, um, was more like a larger drama in, in which the indiv- the, invid- the individuals had uh, a had small part um, than it was a world dictated by, by some objective facts of nature. But back then, we didn't have physics or biology to explain how things work, right? Instead, uh, we relied on metaphors and stories passed down through, through mythologies and traditions to help us make sense of what was going on around us, and given, and given that, uh, that these stories were larger than we were, we simply become, became participants. Uh, a disease back then wasn't caused by a, by a virus or an infection messing with our cells, but it was caused by, say, misbehavior, a moral punishment dished out by some supernatural force. It's easy to perhaps laugh at the obvious supposition here, but the truth is that most of us, if we hadn't been born into the, the current culture, would likely have believed these stories too, right? There weren't many other alternatives. In fact, we still believe stories, not not too dissimilar to these. We tell ourselves stories about our past. We we tell ourselves stories about our our future. Uh, we tell ourselves stories about um, about our family and our work. We can never quite understand the sheer complexity of our lives, just just as as people in in the past couldn't understand the complexity of the universe. So. We use these stories as shortcuts to make sense of what is happening and why it is happening. And while stories themselves are important, a source of individual and shared meaning, seeing the world, world as a drama inherently theatres at the age of delusion, it creates explanations where they are none, and it thrives on, on some sort of conflict whether that that be a conflict of good and evil or left and right or religion or non-religion or something else if the hyper-rationalist propositions of life uh, as a game uh, is a losing battle uh, which defeats its rationality then the overly irrational proposition that life is a drama can't thrive without conflict in which you must be a participant. Um, If you dig deep enough um, into uh, all of the grand questions of meaning, truth, and our certainty, they all find their root in our abstracted away fear of death. Someday this will, will all end, and if so, What's the point? Once we realize this, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, we begin the march towards the answer that philosophers have done since the dawn of time. It was this march that Wittgenstein argued was ultimately futile because it doesn't have any certain resolution, which just brings us back to where we started, as we are exactly where we, we started. Once we put away the language games we just see the raw experience of our reality as it is rather than trying to grapple with it in incomplete words and theories. But experience makes two things apparent neither of which seem satisfactory either. We end up having to choose between life as a game or life as a drama, both incomplete modes of living. What then? Is there a better way? Um, at Cambridge, one of the one of Wittgenstein's mentors was the great philosopher um, Bertrand Russell, and in writing about growing old, he had he had something to say about the process. Which which seems to hint at a different approach. The best way to overcome the fear of death, so at least it seems to me, uh, is to make your interest gradually wider, than and more impersonal, until bit by hit, bit by bit, the walls um, of the ego recede, and and your your life becomes increasingly merged in a, in the universal life. An individual human existence should be like a river, small at first, narrowly contained within its banks and rushing passionately past rocks and over waterfalls. Gradually the rivers grow wider, the banks recede, the world flow more quietly, and in the end, without any visible break, they become merged in the sea and painlessly lose their individual being. So, life as a game finds meaning in doing um, something to the, to the experience. Life as a drama finds meaning in interpreting away the uncertainty under the guise of some larger and grander conflict. Um, both of these have their place, but, but ultimately, in order to appreciate the fullness of our being, the experience itself has to become the end, and what, once it becomes the end, uh, um, then the point is just to better merge with what is fully and completely until it ends. There is a wide, wide spectrum of consciousness that we are capable of experiencing, uh, infinite in the complexity of its detail. Um, Unlimited in the variety that it it offers to our thoughts and our senses. And as humans, we are merely a sponge. Uh, Not here to play games or to interpret stories, but to absorb. Starting from nothing and slowly reaching towards everything. And here's my bottom line. Um, It's it's always possible to remember that um, we made up the rules even, even if uh, they were made up unconsciously and, and adopted largely by osmosis from our culture and our parents. And when, when we do that, uh, we also can remember that events have no internal meaning, uh, at which point, um, the pain and suffering resulting from losing at the game of life can be dissolved on the spot. Well, all in all in an opinion is just that an opinion with no definitive answer or empirical evidence to back up such claims everything i know is limited and subject to change knowledge and education even certain science and theories are all subject to change because we have limited knowledge on how the universe works so we we could try and grab certain certain areas of life, of life and, and formulate uh, theories on why these ideas work um, and in turn can experiment to, to prove our theories to be correct um, the actual data can be far the opposite of our initial hypothesis and in a sense, um, you, you could say that our ideas, theories, explanations, etc. are fundamentally flawed or broken these are only two possible perspectives of, of how I can choose to view my life. And my choice of perspective is unique to me. I can play games at time if I wish, or I can play a part and act in certain ways depending on what it means to take on, to take on a, a certain role. To me, as I mentioned, um, life is an experience, and every experience is different. Okay, so that's it. That's all for now, and I hope you enjoy my podcast. See you on the next episode. Thank you, and ciao.